So I've shared with you all before that my favorite sacred text is the Bhagavad Gita. The ancient Hindu, Hindu scripture that speaks of how to achieve deliverance from suffering and find calmness and clarity. One of the things that has always deeply moved me about the Gita is its setting in the middle of the Kurukshetra War. The Gita is a subsection of this great Indian epic called the Mahabharata, and it takes place just as the war that is the culmination of the epic is about to begin. The ones that we are told are righteous are lined up on one side, facing the ones that we are told are against righteousness, right? But then again, it's not that simple. Many on the other side are shown to be very virtuous standing ready to fight because they see it as their duty and dharma to do so. Not because they truly wish to harm the righteous ones. And these good guys, well, they've done some pretty shady things, including to people whom by rights they should be protecting. So when these two armies are facing off against each other across this battlefield, the epic has led us to the point of knowing that the actions of a few on both sides have made this war inevitable. Something we can recognize in our world, right? And also has led us to understand that there's no clear division of good and evil into sides. Good people are mixed up in bad things, and bad people are mixed up in some good things too. And everyone, everyone is going to have to deal with the fallout of a terrible fight that's going to just lay waste to the land. That's where we are at the beginning of the Gita. And the main hero on this righteous side, Arjuna, he doesn't see any of this yet, right? He's a warrior. He's raring for the fight. He asks his charioteer to drive him out between the armies so that he can survey the enemy, right? Wanting to get his battle face on. It's this pregame ritual that all athletes know, right? Get your head in the right place and your body will follow but it all comes crashing down for Arjuna because this is family that he's going out to fight. Cousins, uncles, teachers, some of the people he loves best in the world. He's filled with horror at the thought of fighting against them, the idea of killing them. And as his psych up becomes a psych out, he falls down in his chariot. And he says, I see my own relations here anxious to fight, and my limbs grow weak. My mouth is dry, my body shakes, and my hair is standing on end. I'm unable to stand. My mind seems to be a whirlwind, and I do not know what good can come from killing our relations in battle. 
of what use is a kingdom or pleasure or even life if those for whose sake we desire these things are engaging in this battle? Even if they were to kill me, I would not want to kill them. And casting aside his bow, he sits down in his chariot in the middle of the battlefield. So Arjuna goes on to this battlefield expecting to get fired up, to be pumped up and ready for this battle that he's like had battles so many times before. But what he sees changes him entirely. It leaves him with this terrible sadness that only the rest of the Gita and a vision of the whole cosmic working of the universe can fill. So I was reminded of Arjuna and the beginning of the Gita recently when I read a short article about William Shatner's trip to space. Just where you knew I was going, right? <laughs> yeah. So in his heyday, Shatner played Captain Kirk, right, on Star Trek, boldly going where no one had gone before. Last year, at the age of 90, he got the chance to make that a little bit of a reality as he journeyed just to the edge of outer space on one of Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin spacecraft. He may not have traveled to the stars, but he did get a chance to look out onto space. And for a moment that he had been dreaming about his whole life, right, he expected to be filled with wonder and to just be overcome with awe. But the reality was really different. He writes, I love the mystery of the universe. I love all the questions that have come to us over thousands of years of exploration and hypotheses. All that has thrilled me for years. But when I looked into space, there was no mystery, no majestic awe to behold. All I saw was death. I saw a cold, black emptiness. It was deep, enveloping, all-encompassing. I turned back toward the light of home. I could see the curvature of earth, the beige of the desert, the white of the clouds, and the blue of the sky. It was life, nurturing, sustaining life, Mother Earth, Gaia, and I was leaving her. Everything I thought was wrong. Everything I had expected was wrong. It was the strongest feeling of grief I had ever encountered. So like Arjuna, William Shatner was felled by a grief he had no way of anticipating, shocking him into the opposite experience of what he expected. Each man thought his life had prepared him for this great moment. And when that moment came, each man found that all the meaning he had ascribed to that moment was wrong, gone, vanished. Have you ever had a moment like that? A moment when everything you know just seems to fall apart. I know I've had many sometimes in small ways, sometimes in big ways. 
The biggest of all was when my husband died at age 37, after we'd been together for 21 years. I fell into an all-encompassing grief that lasted for years. Partly this was because my soulmate was gone as a physical presence from my life. But partly it was because so much of my structure of meaning was gone with him. Like Arjuna on the battlefield, like William Shatner in that spacecraft, I didn't know how to put my world together in a way that made sense anymore. Now, as a chaplain, I've worked with people in this situation more times than I can count. Sometimes it's when something devastating happens, like the death of someone dear, or a diagnosis that overturns every expectation. Sometimes it's when wonderful things happen, like the birth of a child. You know how when you're expecting a child, or at least a first child, you think and you prepare and you hope, but when that child is born, in a heartbeat, you're sleep deprived and you're questioning who you are and what you know and just desperately trying to keep up? Right back there, yes. <laughs> That's yet another situation in which our structure of meaning often gets ripped apart, right? Only we're usually too tired to do anything other than just hang on for the ride, right? While we're trying to put it back together around this beautiful new being. But when we're able to look up, everything, including ourselves, is different. So what we're really talking about with Arjuna on the battlefield, with Shatner in the sky, with me and my husband, with you and your child, at one level, we're talking about habits and ways of being. But at a deeper level, we're talking about our beliefs, those core ideas and values and assumptions about life and the way the world works and the way we work. And those are so ingrained that we rarely, if ever, even realize they're there, much less question them. The things we call beliefs, right, which are usually about religion, what we call religion or politics, those are farther up here. These are way down here. So these aren't so much the ideas that play around in our head, but those things that almost feel like memories in our veins. They give us grounding to feel safe, secure, hopeful, curious. And once we put the word beliefs to these ideas, these experiences and values and assumptions, we know that they're ultimately unstable, liable to be shaken, liable to be disproven or changed, but in the midst of living them, rather than thinking about them, they usually, usually feel rock solid because we don't recognize they're even there, right? So let's say I'll kiss my spouse on the way to work, put in a full day fighting the good fight, come home, play with the kids, 
and feel like every day is just the same as every other and nothing will ever change. If we stop and think about it, we know something will change, but it doesn't feel like that. Now the material world doesn't bend to our beliefs. It's shaped by the laws of physics, which stay steady. But our interior worlds of meaning and belief are held together by the mental equivalent of spit and duct tape, right? When they fall apart, they fall apart hard. And they can take so much of what we know along with them. They can even take away what we know about the physical world. So in the 1920s, physicists were still basing their theories on Newtonian ideas that for centuries had been used to explain the workings of the cosmos. But look at an electron under a microscope and Newton's ideas were falling apart miserably. Physicists were at a loss. So in 1926, when German physicist Max Born introduced a new quantum paradigm based on probability, he opened up a whole new microworld that runs according to laws that are completely different from the world and laws we're able to observe with the naked eye. Every physicist working then, and for a couple of generations after, got the wind totally knocked out of them. Their foundational beliefs could no longer hold. So I've drawn this line from Arjuna on the battlefield, to William Shatner in space, to myself in deep grief, to physicists dealing with the emergence of quantum physics. So what, you may be asking yourself. Maybe these stories of bombs dropping in the middle of lives is interesting, or maybe you think it isn't. Hopefully you think it is. But what does this have to do with me? You know, valid question. So here's my answer. Little bombs are dropping all the time. Getting used to our children being at different stages in life, from baby to toddler, from toddler to child, all the way up to adulthood. We have to adjust, bless you, again. We have to adjust and leave behind what we've known in our relationships, whether they're romantic or family or friendships, things can seem steady until they don't. There are always changes happening or changes on the horizon. And we have to negotiate new ways of being in those relationships, taking more or giving more or leading or accommodating in our careers, we get jobs, we lose jobs, we change roles, we find ourselves overwhelmed or looking for new challenges. Out in our society, we have to deal with the fact that we win some things that we think are important, we lose other things that are think are important. Right? We're constantly having to negotiate and adjust. Little bombs, all the time. We're constantly negotiating so many aspects of our lives that we don't even notice we're doing it. And all of these changes 
and adjustments and negotiations are around our beliefs about who we are, who other people are, and how the world works. Those big Arjuna moments, Shatner moments, they're just that. They're the big scary versions of what we're living every day. And you know what we call this smaller bombs, these changing and adjusting and negotiating? We call it growth, spiritual and emotional growth. It's the sea we're living in. So I want to take a moment to honor the times of growth that drop you on a battlefield, that leave you in grief, staring into the dark depths of space. And I want to take a moment to honor the times of growth that fill you with joy, seeing the new or newly discovered. And I want to take a moment to honor those times when you know everything is changing. You're changing, your world is changing, but you haven't yet formed enough of a new belief about it to figure out what its effect is going to be. And all you can do is just sit with it. And I'm going to ask you to join me in taking a moment of honoring all of this in our bodies. So I'm going to invite you to think for a moment about whatever change you might be finding yourself in right now. Big or small, happy, sad, unknown. What are you feeling about this change? Are you like Arjuna in grief? Are you like a newborn's mo newborn mom experiencing joy or exhaustion? Are you at a loss to figure out what you're feeling because you just don't know where this change is taking you? As you hold this vision and these feelings, I invite you to place your hand on your forehead and join me and say, I am in the midst of growth and change. I am in the midst of growth and change. Now place your hand on your heart and remember that as you change, your world changes. Even when things are rocky, you are okay. Even when you don't know what your change and growth will look like, you are whole even when you are in discomfort or pain or grief, you are loved. I invite you to say this with me. As I change and grow, I am okay, I am whole, I am loved. As I change and grow, I am okay, I am whole, I am loved. And I invite you to hold your hand out and offer to the world. Whatever belief is dying or rising within you, whatever is changing in you, 
opens up new spaces to be who you are, new ways of being. And I invite you to hold your hand and say, as I, offer, as I grow, I offer new gifts to the world. As I grow, I offer new gifts to the world. Believing, changing, offering anew. A joyous, painful, necessary cycle of life. May it be so. Amen.